Hi, I'm Joe Pavia, and thanks for listening to my podcast, Station to Station. In this episode, my interview with the last living orphan of the Titanic, Sid Sedinary. Test, 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 check, one, two, check, check. Coming down in three, two, one. Sid Sedinary had known the story of the sinking of the Titanic since he was very young. His father, Sid Sedinary Sr., was a steward on the Titanic and one of 1,500 passengers and crew who died on the maiden voyage in April of 1912. Sid Jr. was born in December of that year. My mother always talked about it, so it's always been there in the background of my life. And, of course, I, I've studied the story and joined the uh, Titanic Society, um, who uh, sponsored this. And, um, you know, I've studied it and met some wonderful people and very knowledgeable people as well. But there's very, very few people like myself left. In June of 2002, Sid Sedinary, at the age of 89, took a trip to Canada. It was to mark the 90th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic, He did it in memory of the father he never knew. The Titanic Canadian Odyssey, as it was called, was organized by the Irish Titanic Historical Society and the British Titanic Society. It was a 12-day journey, and it was led by Canadian tour guide Warren Stoke of Kitchener, Ontario. What do you remember about Sid Sedinary? I knew at that time that um, he was one of the oldest members of the, the Irish Titanic Historical Society tour to Canada. Um, he was an older gentleman. He reminded me much of my father-in-law. Very stately, like very stood, stood straight. Um, he was it was interesting to talk to. Um, but then I found out that his dad had been a steward on the Titanic, and that he had drowned at sea when the ship went down. And um, just to to see, because he was, his mother was pregnant when the father the, the Titanic sailed, so he never got a chance to meet his father, but she called him after named him after the dad, and to see his name, his father's name, on the board at the the uh, Museum of the Atlantic, was unbelievable. Everybody. In the group, their their eyes welled up. It was just such a an emotional, because that's really the first time he had any direct contact with his dad. And just his name. They listed all the people who, who were on the on the Titanic when it went down. And there was a cemetery that we went to as well in the Halifax area that um, he was asked to say some words and and lay the wreath on behalf of. Uh, one of the Irish passings in the, in the I think it was the Atlantic, mm-hmm. uh, the ship, the Atlantic, that went down. He was asked to lay the wreath as the older member of the, the tour group. Sid Sedinary Sr. was 25 years old when he joined the crew of the Titanic to work as a third-class steward. He had been in the Navy until 1908, and after jobs on shore, he joined the White Star Line and served on the ships the Adriatic and the Olympic before being hired to work on the Titanic. Sid Sr.'s body was found on April 23, 1912 by the cable ship McKay Bennett, 
which recovered most of the bodies of the people who perished. The crew buried his body at sea. You can read more of Sid's story and see photos on my website, joepavia.com. Here's my 2002 interview with Sid Sedinary, Jr. Good afternoon, Mr. Sedinary. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. First of all, uh, how are you finding Canada? Everybody uh, being nice to you out east? Oh, yes, they've been wonderful. It, I heard the Canadian people were very nice, and they proved it. <laughs> Fantastic. That, well, that's good to hear that uh, we're keeping up to that uh, reputation. Tell me, why have you waited until your, your 90th year to take this journey to Canada? Well, the opportunities never arose, actually. Uh, it's just, I suppose it's simple as that. This is the first uh, Titanic-focused uh, uh, tour that I've heard of, so I've taken the opportunity, and it was very rewarding to visit the cemeteries. Very moving. How old were you when you first found out your father died on the Titanic? Well, um, I sort of always lived with it, you see. I wasn't born until December. Mm -hmm. um, and unlike some people, Mother always talked about it. So it's always there, been there in the background of my life. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I, I've studied the story and joined the uh, Titanic Society, um, who sponsored this. And, um, you know, I've studied it and met some wonderful people and very knowledgeable people as well. But there's very, very few people like myself left. Mm -hmm. I was able to find out some information about your father on uh, a website, encyclopediatitanica.org. Uh, yes, that's come more recently, of yep. course. Uh, and he... uh, previously, that was a matter of chasing records. Oh, yes. And uh, the record is uh, right there on the Internet for happened, everyone. Yes. Now, he, he was 25 years old. That's right. When he and passed... he was the, the assistant to the third-class chief steward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His body was found, mm -hmm. uh, as a lot were, but uh, some had been uh, rather badly damaged, apparently, and um, were buried at sea. I see. As he was. A mother knew this because all his effects were sent back right down to his loose change. It was all very nicely done. Um, uh, and uh, he's watching several things, like uh, now in the Southampton uh, Maritime Museum. Uh, but uh, uh, there was a sequel to the story. Mother always said his body was found by fishermen. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you may, may have heard of uh, uh, John Eaton, mm -hmm. the uh, writer of, of the Titanic. Uh, at the... Uh, British Titanic uh, Society convention last year, he gave a friend a slip of paper to pass on to me, and it said that my father's body was found on the 24th of April 1915 and buried the next day. So, uh, this is rather typical of a Titanic. It took me 89 years to discover that. Uh, there was a main rescue vessel, and there was a priest on board, and where, um, like my father, uh, there had to be a sea burial, a, a, a brief service was held, and those um, that uh, uh, were fit enough, they were embalmed and placed in coffins, if they were first class, and the rest in canvas, and of course, taken taken back to uh, to Halifax. 
So I thought he might uh, be interested in that. Uh, there, of course, there was great sympathy, and Southampton itself was completely devastated, as you can imagine. Yeah. And uh, what, what do you know about your father then before the Titanic? Uh, uh, was in the Navy oh. to 1908, and he, he left the Navy and apparently tried one or two shore jobs, but the sea called again, and he joined the White Star, and he served on the Adriatic, and then the Olympic, mm-hmm. and then was one of the chosen crew to join the Titanic. Uh, and most of the uh, the people on the Olympic were only too glad to get off of it. Oh yes, she had a series of uh, hitches in her first year. So uh, when the uh, Titanic, for some unknown reason, was described as unsinkable, uh, virtually she was the same as the Olympic, of course, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, that stuck. And uh, Mother told me that her mother and my father had quite a furious argument about the claim that the Titanic was, in fact, unsinkable. They had arguments about it. Why? Well, uh, it's gone on, actually. (laughs) Well, because I suppose it's as simple as this. Uh, He, and no doubt many of his comrades, believed it, but uh, an older person was more Mm sceptical. And uh, I often wonder what his feelings were. Uh, I've got the, uh, the last letter he wrote, Yes. Uh, the Olympic, mind you, did have a, a series of problems. Uh, she collided w- with a, a tug in New York Harbor and, on her first uh, trip. Oh. And then she collided with HMS Holt, a naval vessel going out of Southampton. And all, all, all this put her, the Titanic's building behind. And, and his last letter said that uh, they'd lost a blade off the propeller and had limped into Plymouth, and he didn't know, but he thought he he would be going to Southampton, and a crew would take the Titanic back uh, for uh, the uh, the Olympic run back to the uh, to Belfast for repair. And that, in, in fact, what happened? I have got the, the last letter, uh, and, and he, he did say in it, "There's always something going wrong with the Olympic." Mm-hmm. But, of course, as I say, I wonder how they all felt when they realized what had happened on April the 15th. We are on the line with Sid Sedinary. He is 89 years old, a tourist in Canada, and he is uh, touring eastern Canada with the British uh, Titanic Historical Society. His uh, father was a steward on the Titanic. Now um, uh, Sid is uh, taking, the steward, uh, taking the journey rather of the memorials and museums. Mr. Sedinary, so much has ri- been written about the Titanic. You mentioned John Eaton. Of all the information you've read, uh, oh, which is the most complete and accurate oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, tough question <laughs> i have a friend who's in the story and, and his common remark is riddled <laughs> with inaccuracy uh, and, and this is true there is so much that is inaccurate um but the, you know the truth is there I, I have a very keen interest on, on a lot of remarks a lot is said about the third class being trapped, mm-hmm. um, not allowed to go up onto the That They were in the uh, extreme ends of the passengers. In fact, the families were in the right uh, at, at the bow, uh, and the single men were, were towards the stern. 
my father and his chief uh, were given the orders to get their people about. And, of course, it's got to be remembered in those days there was no telephonic communication or any communication except word of mouth. So all the stewards had to go around knocking on doors, getting people up. And there was only one interpreter, and there was about seven different... uh, uh, languages to deal with because, of course, it, uh, officially, this may, may surprise you, the Titanic was classed as an emigrant ship. Mm-hmm. And that, that was um, uh, one of uh, the main features that they, they picked up 274, I think it's the actual figure, um, at Cherbourg, and then about another 100 uh, when they stopped at Queenstown in Ireland. So there was a lot of emigrants, and of course, but they just ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was gi- uh, giving a talk, and I, I said it's got to be remembered that all the the writers and the pundits, and people giving lectures about the Titanic, have had 90 years to do it now. Yeah. But um, the chief steward and my father and uh, all their staff had 90 minutes. Yeah. And of course. Uh, the, the ship was um, 882 feet long, and they were at the stream end, and they had no direct access to the boat deck, so they had to go. A, 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 a route had to be formed, and stewards formed uh, a route, and the uh, the third-class passengers gradually went up. Some tried to find their own way up, of course. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you uh, well, so much. Well, you're most welcome. And uh, you have yourself a safe trip home. Thank you. I'll say goodbye. Bye-bye. My 2002 interview with Sid Sedinary. He lived to the age of 97. In a February 2010 blog written by Michael Barrett, he wrote that 40 people attended the funeral ceremony at Henley Road Cemetery in Reading, England. The civil ceremony included the song You'll Never Walk Alone, as well as the theme from the film Titanic played as they left the chapel. Barrett goes on to write in his blog that along with Sid's son and daughter-in-law, brother, and other members of the family, a number of people from the British Titanic Society were in attendance. Sid was the last known Titanic orphan when he died. The story and pictures are posted on my website, joepavia.com. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Station to Station. You can check out my website where I've posted other interviews, stories about news assignments, blogs, and photos I've taken throughout my career. That's at joepavia.com. You can also sign up to have news stories emailed to your inbox directly after I post them. Thanks, and see you on the next podcast.